You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Appreciate you ha- uh, joining us alongside Mike Chappell, Joe Hopkins. I'm Dave Griffiths. And a, a major podcast this is, just as the Colts this week have introduced their newest head coach, Shane Steichen, former offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. They made it official on Tuesday, introducing Steichen uh, at a press conference. Uh, we were there. Um, you can, uh, you might have, if you are subscribed to the Colts Blue Zone podcast, seen a uh, one drop for you with the uh, entire 30-minute-ish press conference. A little special minutes. episode. 33 minutes. I would have thought that Jim Irsay would have talked by himself for 33 minutes. He talked minutes. about six minutes to open up. Yes, he did. So you take that off, and then it's 27 minutes. So a, a short and sweet Shane Steichen, which is uh, very, very welcome in, in, in my mind as I'm going through quotes, trying to put a story together. Um, we'll get, hear plenty more from him over the coming uh, weeks and months, obviously, as, uh, as things really uh, get into the off season, but uh, chap, just your first impression of of Shane Steichen after uh, your your first interview uh, with him there in the in the press conference. He was tired, as he should be. As because again, what game Sunday? They fly him here Monday night, and they do the contract, and and then they have the presser on Tuesday. And he looked worn. He did, which you expect that. But uh, I, I thought he was very detailed, and like you said, concise. Maybe that was partially from being worn down. But what, what struck me is how choked up he got when he thanked, I don't know, was it 50 people? <laughs> I don't know what it was. But it really got to him because, I mean, he, he this is the pinnacle of his, of his athletic career as a head coach. And he really got choked up. And I think initially when he thanked his high school coach, was it Chris Jones, I think it was? Yes. And... <laughs> Then he, he really went off the rails when he started talking about his family. And here's his little daughter, Stella, doing hi, daddy, waves in front of him. So, But I thought it was, it, it, we rarely see the human side of these guys just because there's not an occasion. We, we did yesterday. So now we they, you just hope that he's the right guy, and you won't know until, I don't know, two years. Right. Uh, I mean, I mean you, I. I think a lot of Colts fans wanted an offensive-minded guy. They wanted a guy that had developed quarterbacks to, in the past. To. Exactly. So, so, Joe, you you think right now it's it's a hire that will please a lot of Colts fans out there. But like Chap says, you never know until two or three years down the road because sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. But for right now, he is everything I think that you could want. A young coach, a strong offensive mind that has history developing young quarterbacks. And success. I mean, he knows what it takes to make it to a Super Bowl. He was just there. Um, no, I was excited when this came out. I think the report started coming out Super Bowl Sunday, and then it was official Tuesday. Um, but he, when the list was still up at like 13 or whatever it was, he was one of the top guys just because of the reasons you said, offensive mind used to working with young quarterbacks and kind of getting success out of them. So this is, um, you know, just because he's done it before as a coordinator or assistant coach doesn't mean he'll be a great head coach, but it's a great start. Coaching search lasted six weeks for the Colts. It's just pretty much exactly what Chris Ballard said. It might last into mid-February. That's exactly what it did. There were 13 candidates. He interviewed 21 total times. Uh, ultimately, uh, a reported six-year contract with Steichen here in Indianapolis. And at 37 years old, is the second youngest coach in franchise history. Who's the youngest, Joe? Don Shula. There you go. He was 33 back in uh, 
1963. I think uh, Jim Irsay mentioned Don Shula in, in the last press conference, introducing Jeff Saturday uh, a ways ago. Was it the lack of experience or something? I can't think what that was. I forget. Something about the top quartile of or, the upper quartile. Or sausages quartile or something. Of, yeah, or yeah, it's rocket science. I, I forget exactly what it was, but it was in the context there somewhere. Um, he was hired as Philadelphia's offense coordinator in 2021, so the past two years he's been there, called plays there. Um, after, well, initially Nick Sirianni was calling plays, and then that didn't work, and Steichen took over. And things worked much better after Steichen took over in Philadelphia, calling plays as they made a late run to the postseason, and then all of this year. He plans to call plays again here, and uh, if he's anything like Nick, he, he better be ready to, to give it up if it's not going well. Uh, but, but for now, it's, uh, it's, his, it's his right to do so. He calls plays. I think, Chap, you look at that, because that, that'll probably be a talking point, I guess, about, about a head coach and calling plays, because Frank Reich did so here. And, and I thought he was a good to decent to, to above average play caller in the NFL, but you could see sometimes that, at least in my mind, it appeared it got in the way of head coaching duties if he got kind of in the ref's face about something, and then all of a sudden, oh, shoot, we need to call timeout here because there's 10 seconds left on the play clock. Yeah, th- th- those are like very small things, that you have to worry about as a head coach and a play caller, but but Steichen's about to about to learn, I think, just how much goes into what that role has to be when you have to juggle everything at the same time. Yeah, as I asked him that yesterday, is you know up until this point in his career, he's kind of had his own little neighborhood, whether it was quarterbacks or a bigger neighborhood w- with the offense. Now you've got the entire team, all the minutia that someone else has taken care of, practice times and all that stuff. Now that's on you. So come game day, it really is on you. And I understand him wanting initially to call plays because it's his offense and he knows what he wants. And and at some level, maybe he doesn't trust anyone else to do it. And I think maybe one of the great things he's got going for him is he saw Nick Sirianni do the same thing. Nick came in as a former coordinator who all of a sudden was the head coach and he wanted to call plays and – maybe get to the point, like he, like you mentioned, there's too much else going on. And at some point he trusted Steichen, and we'll see where that goes here. But at least initially that guy wants to be the guy who does it. It's his offense. One thing that's going to help, now it doesn't really change game day, and we'll get into it a little bit later on, but more than likely he's keeping Gus Bradley and, and Bubba. So those two areas are taken care of. So at least initially – the new head coach can can really focus on the offense, and which is going to take. It's got a lot of work that needs to be done, but we'll see how much how how long he goes with calling plays because I think at some point there's so much going on on game day that, like you said, the play clock's, clock's going down, and if you don't make the first down and you're punting, there's a lot going on. We'll see if he's comfortable seating that responsibility later on to his coordinator and that Eagles offense that he led was uh, dynamic I mean it was 12th in the league last year in scoring it moved bumped up to third this year in scoring obviously that had a lot to do with the development of Jalen Hurts and he had something to do with the development of Jalen Hurts so um so that's that's that uh, 28 points per game is uh, basically it's 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 closer to double what the Colts scored uh, well, in, in, in the playoffs this year they were was it 34 points a game they scored at least 31 yep. Yep, and the thirty-five they scored in the Super Bowl was the most ever mm-hmm. by a losing, losing team. team. So the, them losing wasn't an offensive issue, not except his for fault. The, except except for that one, you know, fumble by Jalen Hurts that was 
the worst possible mind-boggling outcome. Absolutely mind-boggling right there. And I'd rather not talk about it anymore, <laughs> as you would imagine. Um, he was the offensive coordinator for the L.A. Chargers from 2019 to 2020, uh, and then an assistant, a position coach in the NFL, uh, mostly with the Chargers between 2011 and 2019. Before that, he worked with Nick Sirianni then, worked with Frank Reich when they were with the Chargers, has uh, worked with quarterbacks like Phillip Rivers, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. And uh, Philip Rivers is a name that came up in the, uh, in the press conference yesterday. Jim Irsay said that he had talked uh, plenty with, uh, with Philip Rivers about what, what Steichen, uh, about who Steichen was and the coach that he was. So in, in addition to dealing with, with young quarterbacks, I, I think it's good, Joe, that he has a little bit of experience with 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 a very experienced quarterback and he and he got to learn a little bit from a guy who had been in the league for a long time had a lot of success for a long time so he, he had that to kind of shape shape him as a young coach a little bit going alongside a quarterback who was really close to his age actually if you're looking at it that way but uh at, at that time he's he was a quarterback that had more success or more years in the nfl than steichen did as a head coach so i i i, I like that part of his history as well that he was with a guy who could be a hall of fame quarterback in the next couple of years yeah i'm sure it really helped to work with the veteran who's been there and done that for a long time before going on to um help mold these young quarterbacks like herbert and hertz and i also like Three very different quarterbacks in terms of physical abilities, what they do well. Um, Herbert basically is the guy that you would create in Madden creative player, 6'6", just uh, a cannon for an arm and can move as well. And then you got Phillip Rivers, who we all watch. I, I don't think he... Uh, Matt Ryan, If they were in the race when Matt Ryan ran that 30 yards, Matt Ryan would have dusted him. That, that's right. how mobile Rivers was. And then we all saw Hurts throughout the postseason and in the Super Bowl just running all over the place. Um, barreling through defenders with those legs that can squat 600 pounds. So that's really encouraging that whatever quarterback they end up in this upcoming draft, and they might not get their first pick, he should be able to have the skills to make it worth work with whatever their abilities are. Need new windows? Let the hometown team help. Hometown Windows and Doors is Central Indiana's premier locally owned full-service Anderson dealer with master installers. From design to installation, we handle it all, carrying nationally known brands like Anderson with more options and competitive pricing. Call us direct and get 25% off your windows if you buy within the next 60 days. Please contact your hometown team today. We are Central Indiana's premier locally owned full-service Anderson dealer. National brand, hometown feel. The story of Hancock Health is all about you and everything you need to live your healthiest life. Like Hancock Regional, one of the nation's safest hospitals, and an independent health network with over 70 doctors at more than 30 locations around East Central Indiana. We're growing and evolving to help further your story. And we're just getting started. See all the ways Hancock Health and you can work together to make health possible at HancockHealth.org. Well, let's take a look at a kind of why the Colts decided to hire Shane Steichen from the press conference that, that we had the other day. Again, you can listen to this uh, via the Colts Blue Zone podcast, um, which is what you're listening to right now, our very last episode. And if you subscribe, you can get this downloaded to your uh, podcast listening device as soon as they drop, whenever that is. Um, Ursay said that uh, Steichen's interview was particularly impressive, showed leadership, toughness. And a quick mind there uh, as well in the, throughout the process, and he was able to disseminate information quickly. Um, and that in the conversation he had with Chris Ballard after the fact just kind of came to the ultimate conclusion that Steichen was their guy uh, above the other candidates and uh, definitely pointed out the, quote, offensive magic, end quote, 
uh, is key, knowing they'll have to develop a, a young quarterback, is what Ursay was kind of alluding to, saying that, um, and and Urse, and I think Ballard even hinted at that as well, chap, that um, even though some of the other defensive guys were impressive, um, that just the fact that he had some, he, he has found success in offense in this league when offense is so important was a contributing factor to why he decided to get, they decided to give him the job. Yeah, I asked him that, and he said, you know, was that, an over, was that a factor? Yes, but not a, not a def, defining factor. But, it, but it, it needed to really be a huge factor because we've talked before, everything you do at this level of your franchise is a risk. It just is. It, it's a risk to bring in Shane Steichen because he's never done this before. So you've got that. And then if you bring in a defensive coordinator, that's a risk. And then who's his offensive coordinator? That's a risk. And then the quarterback's a risk. So I, I like the idea of limiting my risks. And with, with a guy who's done it, again, proven, has done it at, at a couple places, like in like with Joseph, with different style quarterbacks, if it doesn't work, it's not because you you didn't set things up to work. You have set things up to work. And I think again, like what Joe mentioned, what's in, what's encouraging is we'll see how the how the draft pans out. I sort of think the Colts might get the second pick. We were talking off air about maybe Houston goes up to get one to get their guy, and then you get number two. But whoever it is, this the new head coach can can, can work at, with what he's got. He he was he talked yesterday that it's about players. It'll always be about players, which is I go back to Tom Moore. That's what he always said. It's players. Don't don't think your system is so good that you can make it work with whomever. Make your system work with the, the players. Build your 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 scheme around the players. So I'm encouraged. But again, this is the first domino to fall. The next one will be his coordinator, whoever that's going to be, probably from Philly, more than likely, and then the quarterback. I I do want to bring it up here since since you uh, since you touched on on the draft. Um, and maybe the Colts pick second. Jim Irsay is doing his best to tease Colts fans mightily right now about he set the hook. Draft. He he is uh, like it, for, first of all in the press conference where he just says that Alabama guy doesn't look bad. I'll tell you. So there it is. And then today, today, as we tape this on Wednesday, he goes and tweets out a picture of himself in the Chicago Zoo with a bear saying, I've always worked well with Chicago. Like, there is part of this that I'm like, look, Jim, you'd better be not just teasing the fan base. You better have something really concrete in this because, I, I don't know, to me, maybe it rubbed me the wrong way that he is teasing the fan base this way because people really he does care that about all the this. time. I know, but... You'd think he would learn that it's not a good thing to poke the, poke yeah, the poke bear. The bear. <laughs> but uh, that's what he is. And again, this this will largely be out of the Colts' hands. Because again, I, I I really think if each if both Houston and the Colts decide on this is our guy, which whoever it is, then you move you move heaven and earth to go to one. There, there's if the Colts stay at four. Shame on them, because I think we talked last week about go up and get your guy, and if it doesn't work, you go down swinging with your guy. I think you you talked about that last week. But again, if Houston wants to go to one, they're going to go to one. They've got more draft capital to go at. 
than you do, than you, meaning the Colts. But the Colts need to make a concerted effort to go to one. And in all honesty, if it takes, what have we seen? A flip first rounds, second round, and a 2024 first rounder? Somebody's had a second rounder. Not a chance. No. It's going to take more. But so what? If I'm exactly. Chris, if I'm Chris Ballard who loves them picks, it doesn't matter. I don't care how much you love your picks. It, it doesn't matter because if I'm Chris Ballard and I don't do it, you're not going to be here in 2025 or whatever to worry about that pick you gave up. So within, I don't want to say within reason, I've always said that there's got to be a grunt level, but maybe not. You do what it takes to move up to one. But I think Houston can stop you from doing that if they feel that strongly about going to one. Yep, I, I think the Bears are in a great position. It, it brings us back to that, Joe, that that they're going to have a, a bevy of options because Carolina a lot of might want to go yeah, up that want to go up and, and get their picks. Houston has two picks in the first round this year. Just a couple years ago, the 49ers traded three picks to go up and get Trey Lance at what was that number three overall? I thought it was. So if you're going up to number one overall, it's it's going to be a haul. And, and and like I said last week, if there is one guy that you think is above the rest, everyone here, you, you go get him and there's no excuse to not doing it. What, yeah. what, what if you think that guy's Anthony Richardson? Do you, <laughs> stay at four, do you stay at four? I think that's part of, you know, exterior scouting the other teams and, and trying to get what you can from other teams. If, if the Colts get word that, say, Houston loves Will Levis and then it's not their guy and they feel very confident about that, then they can stay back and maybe get who they want at four. It, maybe it's Richardson, and, and they're very confident that uh, – because as of right now, four would be pretty high for Richardson, who's sought to be a first-round pick, maybe not um, at the level of uh, Young or Stroud or whatnot. But everyone kind of agrees he has the highest ceiling in this draft because of his physical tools, and if the Colts fall in love with those tools, Ballard's always been a uh, – you know, he has his guy. prototype. He, he has his prototypes. and if so, Before long, we're going to have somebody put a picture of Richardson standing next to Bryce Young just to exemplify the uh, the difference in him. Mm-hmm. But the only way you stay at four is if, is if you really like all four of these guys and none of them just blow your socks off, then you stay at four and you take whatever's there. But, boy, if, if you like one or two guys better than the others – you can't stay at four. Shane Steichen, by the way, said the most important thing for a quarterback to have success in the NFL uh, is accuracy, decision-making, and the ability to create. And then also they're obsessed with their craft is something that he mentioned with all the quarterbacks that, that he's worked with, guys like Rivers and, and Hertz, who have just been uh, junkies when it comes to the film, when it comes to getting better. If your better, quarterback's not a junkie, then forget he's, about the, he's it. the wrong guy. Forget about it, Kyler Murray. Forget about it. Uh, I mean, th- th- there's... There's one way to be successful in the NFL at quarterback. You're the first in the building, and you're the last in the building. Yeah, because because as much as Chris Bauer wants to say it's one out of 53, like you're the one who's touching the ball on every snap on offense. You're the one who's making the decisions out there when the bullets are flying. One of those years, I can't remember which year it was, they drafted Anthony Gonzalez first uh, in the first round, right, from Ohio State, and he couldn't be here for the offseason work because of graduation. Peyton would drive to Columbus, like on a Wednesday or Thursday or Thursday Friday, and they'd work out. That's what that's what your that's what your quarterback does. So that that's the kind of guy you've got to have. Shane Steichen's plan that he outlined for uh, success: uh, he will build the team on four pillars. One is character, treating people with respect, feed the positive, weed out the negative. Number two, preparation: how organization prepares Monday through Saturday will ultimately dictate how the game plays out on Sunday. 
Number three, consistency. Coaches send consistent messages to players telling them exactly how they want it to look and to be done. And four is relentlessness. The best players, coaches, are obsessed with their craft. Out of those four, Chap, uh, any of them stand out to you as things that you think the Colts could uh, use some dramatic improvement at? Or are they all just kind of generic things that, that any coach might, might say uh, in general when, in, in a situation like this? I thought when I was hearing this, I thought, well, we're going to get tired of hearing this like we did with Frank. Yeah. The 1% better and yep. the preparation. And that's what, that's what it comes down to. And what we're going to hear, and it's inevitable, is what, when you hear what, when a guy says this or when players talk about accountability, because that, that was another thing, the accountability, it makes you think that that's what they lacked last year. And there was talk that they did lack accountability, that Frank didn't really hold players – feet to the fire and that's what they need that's we'll it's hard to know that because few people come on there will go on the record and say they didn't do this but i think we're going to get as tired of hearing steichen's four pillars as we did with frank the one percent better and all that but that's fine uh maybe the players just tune frank out after five five years i don't know maybe but uh there will be no excuse for these guys not being prepared because this, whatever we took away from Shane Steigen, they're going to hammer the details in preparation, and there will be no excuses to not be ready on a Sunday. Joe, his offensive philosophy is throw to score, run to win. Uh, what did you take away from that? I liked it. It, it kind of goes to the, you know, you got to be able to, it's obvious, no more obvious than with the Colts this year. You got to be able to pass the ball to score points. And if you don't have a good passing game, it's just not going to work. You can't run the ball 35 times every single game. But to that point, you reach a level in the game where if you have a lead, you need to be able to run the ball to you know, finish out that win, run the clock out, be able to get first downs on the ground. Um, and so you know, it's easier said than done because being a, a terrific passing team and a terrific running team at the same time, not a lot of teams are able to accomplish that. We saw that with the Eagles this year. They were one of the few who were. We saw that with the Chiefs in a different way, but they were able to run the ball more than the Eagles were on uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. So, or at least with the running backs, obviously Hurts did his damage. But, but I, I like the philosophy. I also liked how he talked about building around your player's strengths. He mentioned Pittman specifically. What routes does he run well? That's what we're going to ask him to do. What, what can you take away from Pittman last year? They couldn't build around his strengths. That's a tough thing, yeah. Because they couldn't throw the ball. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And he talked about with the young quarterbacks, look at what they did well in college, incorporate that into your offense, and then build from there. So I I liked everything he had to say. I'm very excited about pairing this young offensive mind with a young arm that we get in the draft this year. And so it's going to be an exciting time to be a Colts fan in 2023. Uh, So much of it depends on who he brings along, of course, on the staff. And I think Steichen has a good good head on his shoulders to realize that because of kind of his introduction. Now, how, Chap, you mentioned he thanked 50 people. So uh, he he realizes that he's here on the shoulders of everyone who has lifted him up. He said, they're why I am here today. Right. And and to have that mentality first, I think, is crucial for a coach 
in order to build a staff around him that uh, that does the same thing on a daily basis, whether you're in the off season or in the season. Um, so when you, when it comes to the staff, uh, defensive coordinator Gus Bradley and special teams coach Bubba Ventrone were both there in That's attendance. Telling. I think it is too. Very telling. Uh, even though Steichen would not comment on staff building, uh, and I think that's fine. Like That's something that he's really going to dive into later and get into the nitty-gritty about talk with these guys and really dive into their philosophies and let them know his philosophies. I think it would be premature to say, oh, yeah, for sure, we're bringing this guy back af- before you meet with him and sit down with him for you know a couple hours. Um, but, so but even keep if- in mind, the Colts did not allow Gus right. to talk elsewhere. Exactly. Because if you remember, and one of the parts of, the pro- of this interview process is, Okay, who who do you see as your staff? Who do you think you can bring in? So, Steichen's already told him, told the Colts, Ballard, Nursey, these are the guys I want my staff to be. Right. And you just have to believe it's Gus, and in most of his assistants, Bubba, who one of these days will, will, will get a, a head coaching possibility. Now the offensive staff's going to be totally different, totally. Uh, you know, we, I saw today with Parks Frazier. Going to Carolina. Going to Carolina, which of, of course he is. Yeah. But the only one that might be back is Reggie. And I've reached out to Reggie twice, and he's just, I won't say ghosting. because He's on a beach somewhere. He's on a beach <laughs> having, you know, having his 10th adult beverage. But it, to me, th- this would be Reggie's call. If he wants to come back, you say, of course. The receivers really like him. He had a good influence. Everybody else is, is going to be brand new. And th- th- the next – tile that has to fall is who's your coordinator uh you know it, kevin patulo maybe may, may, maybe from from philly uh he, he was here earlier but it'll be, he'll bring a couple of phillies people with him no doubt uh it's for sure maybe a couple guys from uh from san diego la wherever the heck they they are out there it always still goes to san diego with me i just and, say chargers because I, I mess it up yeah but but maybe in like five years i'll finally shed that uh shed that habit joe well and do you guys think that bringing back bradley and ventrone you know we we kind of talked at the beginning of the show about juggling being a head coach and play caller at the same time do you think that maybe bringing those coaches back who have already kind of establish things with players will take a little bit off Steichen's plate in that regard that Gus and Bubba have already been here. They've already coached these guys. They know what they're doing to a certain extent. Yeah, I think so. And, and it'll certainly help for him to, to get to know the roster better, uh, to have those two guys there. Uh, and, and on the offense, then then he can make his own uh, judgments about the roster. But um, if he wants to go with a guy like Bradley, who's been a head coach in the NFL before and been an incredibly successful defensive coordinator for many, many years. Several years with uh, Steichen and with the Chargers. Bradley was? Yeah. Okay. Four Two years. or three yes. years, four years, was it? Oh, there you go. So that, that you, you always bring in people that you're comfortable with, that you know. And I think like Joe mentioned and we've talked about, if you can keep status quo on defense and special teams, of course Steichen's going to have input on those areas because mm-hmm. he's a head coach. But this allows him to not initially be so spread out with everything. He can concentrate on, like we've said, if they they don't get this offense fixed, it doesn't matter. So they've got to really get their their staff in place and then really focus on that quarterback in April. So it it will be beneficial to have two-thirds of your staff, for the most part, back. They know the roster. They know the players. They know what's needed. 
and the head coach can really focus on the offense. And I really think there's nobody in that building who who knows the back end of the roster better than Bobo Ventrone. He told you talked about that because he has to. <laughs> like he has. Those to are his the, guys. Yeah, their strengths and their weaknesses. So he has to know the guys who are who are most important. The guys who they might be able to replace through the draft or free agency, whatever this year. He he could be a valuable resource to Steichen as he's trying to get settled uh, in this new place. And uh, it, it it comes down to whether. Uh, like, does Bubba want to come back? He, he, was, just, he was passed over for the interim head coaching role. There might still be hard feelings, you would think, but he was there yesterday at that, the presser, so I, I you, you think that's the, probably gone. I can't get past the fact that they were there. Right, exactly. They were there. If, if And, again, they've had I, – I, I went over and talked to Gus a few minutes after the, after the Steichen press conference and just to catch up, and I said, so what do you know? He said, well, we'll talk in the next few days. We've talked, we'll talk in the next few days. And until yesterday – these coaches, I get the impression, really haven't done much because they didn't know if they're going to be here. Do, do you want, you know, the offensive, the, the few offensive guys left or the defensive staff evaluating your roster when you don't know if they're going to be here? So now they're going to get busy. They know what Gus knows. They, 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 he, he knew that the, the moment that, that uh, Steichen was signed that he either was or wasn't going to be back. And if he's not going to be back, he wasn't just there yesterday to, out of interest, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, let's see what's going on here. That's why I think, and again, along with, and there are a lot of defensive coaches that uh, are harder to recognize, but when you see Gus and his bald head and, and Bubba, you, you notice them, and there were, what, four or five players? Quentin Nelson was there, Michael Pittman, Tyquan Lewis. So it, it there's an interest there, and those those assistant coaches wouldn't be there if they're not going to be there. I want to get into one or two things that uh, Steichen said in this press conference. We can uh, break them down before we really move on to uh, some of the news that uh, we have this week. Um, and he, he was asked about uh, kind of his, his way of coaching, um, Shane Steichen was. And he says, I mean, obviously, we're going to have a detailed plan on how we want to get things done. I go with my gut feeling on a lot of things. I'm a gut feeling guy, especially on game day. I'll have a gut feeling on when to do certain things uh, as a play caller. All those different things. Again, we're going to be aggressive and all those different things. My philosophy offensively, I'm sure you guys are going to ask, but my philosophy, uh, blah, 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 going into is we're going to be different every week and we're going to throw to score points and, and run to win. But the, the fact about being a, a, a kind of a gut feeling guy chap, I think, is one of the main reasons that he wants to call plays first. If he's always relied on gut feelings in the past and not necessarily on, oh, we have to run this play on first down, this on second, this on third, and this situation, and, and being being so meticulous and detail like connected, and um, like there's a difference between that type of coach and a guy like Steichen who can kind of have everything jumbled up there and pick things out when necessary. That's kind of what a gut feeling uh, coach is to me. So it's understandable if that's how he's done things in the past to want to do it right now because that's what he's comfortable with. And to to kind of establish something there as a play caller before he would even consider giving it up, uh, oh, oh, uh, if if that if it ever comes to it, he he wants to set the tone, and this is how we're going to be generally. You know, the situations will change things, but he's going to be an aggressive guy. Uh, I, I was looking. The, the, remember, the the Eagles were eleven of eighteen on third down against the Chiefs. They were five for five on fourth down in the playoffs. In three games, so they go for it now. Yeah, I hope he brings that quarterback sneak I, over. I, I was just saying, <laughs> it's it, it's all talent related. It just is, 
And uh, if you've got the talent, the quarterback, or or for crying out loud, AJ Brown or Smith or or the tight end, you can do so. You can be so aggressive because your players are better than their players. Well, right now that's not where the Colts are. No, he's the the biggest transition he's going to face is not having those guys. You know, so you, you've got to be able to to accept the fact of of who you are right now and who you aren't right now. But I just like the fact that I think he's going to be aggressive. He's going to tailor his offense to the players. And there's probably three or four significant players not here on offense that aren't here yet because you're going to see change with the head coach. Yeah, not Joe. Not every uh, team in the league has uh, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, and Isaac Semgalo there uh, right in between, right in front of a guy who can squat 600 pounds, uh, and then two receivers like AJ Brown is one of the more physical receivers in the league who can push him also right behind him. So, well, maybe they might be able to get uh, the guard Isaac in free agency because yeah, his could. contract is out. Indeed, Bring him it over, is. Plug him in at right guard. The, the, the best. Just de- spend more money on the offensive line. That's Joe's plan this offseason. The, the best defense for that fourth and one. Is not letting him get in fourth and one. Make exactly. It, make it fourth and three. Yeah. They're, they're not going to sneak his ass on fourth and three. No. But uh, <laughs> again, and you look at this team, he's got so much to do on his plate. And who's his offensive line coach? And do Jeff you. Saturday, duh. Yeah, How <laughs> awkward would that You got to. That's kind of like the, the quartile thing. We're going to have a little ding when we mention that. But how awkward would that be to have Jeff in the building as an offensive line coach? Ooh. But but it's, you know, you, they've got to evaluate on the offensive line. W- was last year just an aberration to where your three cornerstone players just didn't play well until I think Q played pretty well the last two-thirds, and I think Braden Smith did, Brian Kelly hit and miss. But until they get that fixed, it's going to be tough. But that's on his plate to figure out what you've got, what do you need. That's why I say it's really important that, that he can concentrate on that and not while worrying about the offensive line or the quarterback or what are we doing on defensive line or what, or special teams because you've got those guys in place. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, indeed. Well. <clears throat> it feels like you want to say something. Uh, I, I think, there's, I think there's, there's more work to do on the offensive line than, than just uh, ride it out. But that, well, that's yeah, not. Another guy there was Bernard Reinman. Yeah, yeah that, that's he, not. he might be one of the biggest key players heading into the next year. Yep. Is he the guy? We've already seen a guy who wasn't the guy going into an offseason. And we'll have an, a podcast where we can focus just on that area. But if you have trouble at left tackle, you have trouble. Well, and I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, we talk about Braden Smith and uh, Quentin Nelson. They played better as the season went along. Well, so did Ryman. So did the left tackle position. And so, obviously, it all goes together. And, and, and maybe Q had problems early because he's trying to cover for an inefficient left tackle, which there's probably something to that. So Possibly. A lot of evaluation to do. Yep. A lot of job on, a, on Coach Steichen's plate. And, uh, but the first thing is getting that, getting that staff together. And uh, then you evaluate. Uh, you get into the free agency in the draft. And so, like I said, we'll, we'll hear plenty more from him over the coming weeks. Looking forward to seeing 
what happens? Um, it's it's a time of change. That means it's a time of uh, you can you can be incredibly optimistic or incredibly pessimistic right now. And I think there that uh, you, there's every reason to be optimistic right now. This isn't an, an occasion where you go you go all in and you just make crazy moves, but you still have to be bold because you can't bring in a rookie quarterback, even though you know he more than likely won't start. You can't bring in a rookie quarterback and then not have addressed wide receiver and not have addressed your offensive line and tight end probably as well. So it, it's going to be really incumbent upon these guys to find ways through free agency, not so much through the draft past the quarterback because you're going to give up your first-round pick for your quarterback and probably your second-round pick for that quarterback. But free agency, you're going to have to add a receiver. You're going to have to add maybe a blocking tight end and a right guard maybe from Philly. I don't know. So, but it, it's it's going to be really interesting. This, like like I said, and I'll harp on this. This was the first step, but there's two or three other massive steps they've got to take, and that's why I say you're not going all in, but you're being bold. Don't waste the first few years of a young quarterback by turning him into David Carr and just getting him beat up. And, and I think that's why I'm hemming and hawing here a little bit because we we got an introduction to to Shane Steichen, but now there are. And that was by far the most important decision, that and then the quarterback, kind of 1A and 1B, what happens to this franchise this offseason. After that, there's so much. There, there's so much, whether it is help on the offensive line, wide receiver, getting Pittman and, and Taylor re-signed. What's going to happen on defense? Is, is uh, Bradley coming back? If he doesn't, then you're going to have a lot of uh, change over probably in personnel there because it's going to be someone else with a different system. So... This is just the first domino to fall. And understandably, we didn't ask Steichen about all these other dominoes because it was really just more about kind of those, getting those the Those would have been questions for Chris more. Exactly. Yes, more, that too. I think. But, you know, they've got they, like 20 free agents to worry about. You yeah. know, Yannick Ngakwe. Yep. You know, what do you He'd do with one. Matt Ryan and Nick Foles? Well, you probably cut them. You're not so, going to trade them. Who's going to take them? Boy, wouldn't you love to trade Matt Ryan? That'd be fantastic. Please, please. Get him completely off the books. I've had somebody out on the interstate with those signs – you know, quarterback we'll trade for, for food. Right. And, they and could we'll, call Washington. And we, yeah. you never know. <laughs> and, you know, we'll, we'll give you a draft pick to take him. You know, so you've got that, and 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 then after, after you get rid of those two quarterbacks, like we've talked, you're going to have to bring in a veteran quarterback. You, I can think of no better veteran quarterback to tutor a rookie than Matt Ryan, but you can't for thirty-five million dollars. Can't do it. Right. So they they got to have somebody Gardner Minshew somebody like that, but th- there are there's we've rattled off six eight ten things that they've got to do, but fortunately we get the one thing out of the way after five or six weeks, and and, and now they roll up their sleeves and, and, and get to work because they got a lot of work to do. Well, and just looking at the timeline for Steich, and he goes straight from coaching all the way through the Super Bowl. You mentioned how weary and tired he seemed on Tuesday. You got the combine in two weeks. You got free agency in about three, three and a half, depending on when the legal or not so legal tampering period begins. Um, And then after free agency, it's like a month until you got the draft. So he's not really going to have much of a chance to catch his breath here. He's going to have to pound some five-hour energies or whatever his – whatever his taste is and get after it because it is just one thing after another here. As long as he's not like Will Levis and puts mayo in his coffee, then, then we'll be okay. <laughs> I, I had to bring him down my draft board a little I, bit. I know, that. right? Yeah, I kind of liked Will Levis until I learned that about him. Mayo in your coffee. <laughs> but, but we talked about all that's 
you know, now he's the head coach. I remember when, when Tony Dungy was here and we were talking, and the first time he was the head coach with Tampa is he said he's sitting in his new office and he's on the phone with somebody he wants to be his offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, and somebody knocks on the door and he says, well, come on in. And they, he says, what can I do for you? He said, well, I'm, I need to know what color you want your office. And here he's talking to trying to get his staff together. So there's those little things that you don't think about that you have to think about. So it, I was kind of wondering in my head, is, you know, he's here yesterday with his wife and, and two kids. They came straight from Phoenix. They didn't go home. So does he go home for a day or two days and, and pack, you know, three or four suitcases, two suitcases? If you're a guy, you don't pack a lot. One and a half. <laughs> and, and, and you come back here, and you're here, and the wife and the kids are probably home for a while. Probably. So at least until at least got fact, school over there. Well, but they're young kids. It's, it's, the, the the son's six. As I say, he's probably in first grade. And and Stella's three. So so whether it's it's you, you move the you know you move them here right away, and you're not at least the kids aren't in high school type of thing. Right. But th- there's so much going on now for the new head coach. All the things that Joe mentioned with. with the combine and all free agency and the draft, but there's all the other things, the personal stuff that really takes probably more of your time. Yep. And, and it comes back to one of the thing that uh, I think it was Ursay said that uh, he could uh, process and disseminate information quickly. You're going to have to do that right now. You, you, on, like on not, f- not even on the football field yet. You have right. to do that right now with yep. everything else. Yep. Like everything's coming at you, organize it and get it done. And then you will be set up for success when it comes to combine, free agency. Because just when you think you've got everything covered for the day, something's left that didn't get taken care of that needs to get taken care of. There's always something else. Which is why we always find something to talk about on the Coach Blue Zone podcast, 52 weeks a year. What does Hancock Health membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan, and it means that together we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at hancockregional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. Need new windows? Contact your hometown team today. Hometown Window and Doors are Central Indiana's premier locally owned full-service Anderson window dealer with master installers. From design to installation, the hometown team handles it all. They carry unlimited options with competitive pricing. Call them direct to get 25% off your windows if you call within the next 60 days. Hometown Windows and Doors gives you all the perks of a national brand with a hometown feel. Visit them at hometownwindowteam.com today. Some news outside of just the coaching search for the Colts this week. It was Reggie Wade and Dwight Freeney's time to almost get selected to the Hall of Fame again. But, Chap, they did not make the final cut. Could you share uh, a little bit uh, of the behind the scenes from, uh, from what you can from the discussions? Because I know last year you were ready to rip somebody's head off. I, I hope that uh, you, you weren't quite at, at the same level of frustration this year when it came to uh, Reggie and Dwight in the Hall of Fame. Same level, just not quite as intense. Okay. Uh, again, the way it works, there there were 15 modern era players to make you know to, that we discussed. This was about a month ago we had our meeting, and from there you you vote you pair it down to 10. In Reggie's first three years, he never got made the cut to 10. So this year he did. Dwight Freeney did not. I thought maybe Dwight would, but he didn't. And this year, uh, the, the the all three receivers made the cut to 10. Andre Johnson, Reggie, and Torrey Holt. So I thought, you know, 
there's a chance one of these guys is going to get in. Yeah. As it turned out, they didn't, and I was PO'd. The problem we have with, with the receivers is they're they're not the same guy, but their resumes are very similar. There's you know you you can argue I can argue strongly for all for each each one of them. Right. So and, I mean they're in, they're in the final ten. There, there's right. a good chance they're going to make it in one. And, day. and it's not like well you know Calvin Johnson two years ago. Well Calvin Johnson was different. He's just they're guys you see and you think yeah he's, he's first ballot put him in. Well these guys are. Are not that they're they're very close in, in in yards per game, yards for their for their career. I mean, R- Reggie's tenth in re- yards and catches, and I think Andre Johnson's eleventh. So they're right there. So we've got to figure out as selectors how we differentiate to break the logjam, or if we don't, we're going to have this every year, which it, it just drives you crazy. It was brought up that maybe we should unofficially or whatever say we're going to go by who's been waiting the longest and put him in and the next year that guy the next guy gets in so in that case it would be Tory Holt, Reggie and Andre Johnson right but there's not a chance we're going to get 49 people to agree right to give up one of their votes every year it's not right. going to happen so somehow we have to do this I've I've run out of material I mean you do it for four years with Reggie, and there's just nothing. Else. You know, what, what do you guys? It's like you want to say, okay, what do you want? Mm-hmm. What can I tell you guys? And uh, all three guys are like that, so we'll see. I didn't agree with all with the five guys. I've never been a Zach Thomas on the Zach Thomas train. I think he's a very good player, v- very very good player, not quite Hall of Fame, but that's why we have 49 people and 49 opinions. So we'll do it again next year. And Dwight will have a little better of a chance, maybe. You get Demarcus Ware out of the way. Yeah. But then you got Julius Peppers coming up. Right. I, I didn't think next year's first first ballot were uh, first round guys were particularly impressive. It was Julius Peppers Julius who, Pe- who is for once sure. You, once you get Julius Peppers, oh, there's a bunch of guys. And there's a bunch of guys. Yeah. And, and, and people always say, "Well, <clears throat> this guy's not Hall of Fame." Well, but that list is people that are eligible. Right. You know, like Julian. I think Julian Edelman. Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. Yeah. I left that alone. Are you, are you going to present Andrew Luck no. to the? <laughs> that's one that's really hard because again, what people need to realize we we get the initial list of candidates. It's like 120 people, right? And you just nominate guys. You just I always make sure that the Colts are in there, Jeff Saturday and Bob Sanders and Dallas Clark and all those guys just to get their names on there, mm-hmm. and they just don't get the traction. Obviously, Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney and Reggie, but. There's like you said, if you look at that list, Julius Peppers is the only one to me that jumps out, and I think he's pretty good. Yeah, there's another one that was decent. I forget who, and then Eric Berry was like the third, the safety for the Chiefs, right? Like kind of in my yeah. in, in the in the pecking But order. the fact that you have to think about it, yeah, we've always and argued, I, can't, I can't remember who it was. We're so quick to put first ballot guys in. This year it was Joe Thomas and Darrell Rivas, Antonio Gates, maybe. That's right. It was Antonio, Antonio Gates. Gates, yeah, who, who was a very, very good tight end um, over right. the years. But, but, but he was almost a receiver. Yes. And that's where we're getting in trouble. We've got, you know, we got the three receivers. We're going to have Gates. And then in a couple of years, we're going to have Jason Witten. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, we, we've got to get these receivers, the pipeline broken. You know, before long, we're going to have uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Well, he's first ballot. Yeah. He just is. Julio Jones in five years. So. I'm convinced that Reggie gets in, and it's it's no consolation to him that one day 
Although again, I I went through this with with Edger and he he was PO'd every year about what he called the dog and pony show that you go through. But then he said once you once you get in, you're in. Right. And nobody remembers that it took you four years, five years, or whatever. I'm still stunned that it took Marvin three years. <laughs> Just crazy. <laughs> so he'll get in. Uh, but we've got to figure a way to break the logjam at receivers so that we can get him in. Yeah, it, it did. I, I think Joe Thomas is, is a tremendous uh, offensive tackle, so I understand why he's there. I think Darrell Reeves is a tremendous cornerback, but at the same time, like I think you can easily make the argument that Reggie Wayne could deserve it just he as could much have as waited. either of those we two We could have guys waited on Darrell Reeves. On those two. And Darrell, especially if you're going to elect Rondé Barber to the Hall of Fame, too. So I have one more question for you. We don't have to get too much further into this, but I'm curious uh, where uh, where Devin Hester wound up. Did he stay in the 15? Um, yes. Okay. And he, he was one of the 15. Because I, cause I think, like, once again, I think that if you're the best at something, you should be in the Hall of Fame. And that's going to be an Adam Vinatieri issue in a couple years as well. Is he a first ballot guy? Is he a kicker so he doesn't become a first ballot guy? I, I want like Devin Hester has stayed in the 15 right now. He's not even getting into the 10. I think, this is two years ago. He's yes, 15 and didn't make yes. 10. Vinatieri, to me, I, I just think he's a guy you stand up and say his name and sit down. If, and I, want to, I hope I can still do this for a couple of years. So when he comes up, I think he's he's eligible in two years. Yes, he's a guy that if you just gave his statistics, Super Bowls and points and all this, and not mention the position, you know, of course he's a Hall of Famer. Was it yeah. four, four Super Bowls that he won two and all time points? And but the fact he's a kicker, yeah, but he's a kicker. Well, we had that with Devin Hester. Dan Pompey, uh, I don't know who Dan's working for now. He's, he's, he's from Chicago. Gave a great presentation. Great presentation of how elite Devin Hester was. And I'm telling you, after that, you thought this was just a guy the way people tore him down. It was because, no, he's not the greatest kick returner of all time. He was the greatest of his, of his generation. And, well, and then it was, well, you know, this is the guy you game plan for. Well, yeah, but you game planning for like six plays. That that's that's what it's hard. It's hard for people to get past on special teams guys is he's only out there six or seven plays generally during a game. Well, right. but but if he takes a you know a kickback or a punt back, that's impact. But uh, I, I was stunned that the, the groundswell against Devin Hester slash special teams mm. when we met. But because again, when we got done, I thought, boy, this guy must have been terrible. Yeah. And I saw him play, and he wasn't terrible. Right. So, but there, there is that special team stigma that he's not out there nearly as much. You know, with a Dwight Freeney, you game plan for him, fifty plays a game, forty right. plays. Because if you don't, he's going to wreck your game. Right. But uh, it's going to be tough for him to get in just because of the the special team thing. I, if that's the case with Vinatieri. I may just retire because he was w – when you talk about his position, he he was the best for – what was it, 20 years? I mean, whatever. Mm -hmm. Most points. And remember, he, he had the, the long – the string of 44 straight field goals Yep. when he was like 42. 42 years old. So uh, – but we'll see. It's interesting in the fact you've got 49 people. You've got different opinions about things. And I, I, one thing that's still – rankled me was two years ago when we was talking about Reggie and a guy from New York came up and said, well, he said, what you need to explain to me is how if he's a Hall of Famer, 
he had one catch for one yard in the playoff loss to the Jets. One game. <laughs> one game in his career. And if I, if I had been quick enough on my, on my feet, I said, well, yeah, Brett Favre had six interceptions against the Rams in the playoffs, and he would have thrown seven if he had time. Mm-hmm. So you can do anybody one game at a time. It's the body of work, so we'll do it again next year. Frank Reich is bringing some former Colts to Carolina with him. Jim Caldwell has been hired as a senior offensive assistant, and Parks Frazier has been hired as the passing game coordinator there for the Carolina Panthers. So no surprise to see that uh, some guys that Frank knows uh, from, from his past are heading with him to Carolina. And we'll see, we'll see what quarterback they get uh, as well, whether it's in the draft or whatever free agency and that Frank and Parks and Jim get to work with. I wondered if Frank would have wanted to try to take Bubba with him. And maybe the Colts said, nah, not so fast. So, but uh, Frank, Jim Caldwell, when I saw that, I thought, what a great hire. Yep. I mean, I love Jim Caldwell. Great offensive mind. Great coach. Su- such a great person. Just got shafted here. The fans ran him out of town, basically, and I thought, are you crazy? He was within one play, two plays of winning a Super Bowl as a rookie coach. Yep. So, but it, it looks like a pretty – and one of the, what, the defensive coordinator in Carolina is uh, the Denver, D.C. that the Colts interviewed. Mm-hmm. You can say his name because I'll mess it up. Ijero Ivero. See how to mess it up. I can spell it. I can't say it. You all, all you need to do is spell it. All I, I need to spell say it. it. That's all, it's all good. You know, you know how I learned how to say it? I go onto YouTube and I go onto like the team page. I went to the Denver Broncos team page on YouTube. And I searched his name and there was one that popped up, which was just like him explaining this scheme or something or something like that. So I click on that, it pops up. He's like, "Hello, I'm Denver Broncos defensive coordinator, Jero Vero, and I'm going to explain blah 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 to you." I'm like, "Boom, there it is." He said it himself. So if, so if anyone says anything, I'll be like, "That's how he said his name." I did that with with Steichen because I wanted to say Steichen, right? And I went on YouTube or Google, Steichen. and it was pronunciation of Steichen. And, and you click it on, and it's like 10 seconds of it's Steichen, Steichen, Steichen. So, so, so now instead of seeing the CH, I'm just going to put a K in there, there you go. and I'll be fine. It, it, it'll sneak into one script online at fox59.com or cbs4indy.com. So if you see that, please grant Mike Chapel a little <laughs> bit of grace because right. he's just trying to learn, uh, once again, how to say it so he can deliver the best possible content to you right here on the Colts Blue exactly. Zone podcast. Exactly. So... A lot, lot of stuff coming up in the in the future. Uh, really looking forward to, to seeing what happens with the horseshoes on 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 every level, whether it is the draft, the uh, combine, or free agency. But now that they have their man and head coach, they can start making some of those decisions. The first thing that'll come out certainly is the staff over the next week or two. They'll get that set and are then really hit the ground running with everything else when it comes to and personnel. Then free agency. And then free agency. Yep. Three the, weeks the, from Who they cut? Do they cut? Yep. Of course, they're going to cut Ryan and Foles. Who do they want to bring back? We've, they, we've they, started these things a little bit do already. Do they cut Kenny Moore? Yep. We, we, uh, they you, might. you save $8 million. Yep. He, he, can, he can head to, to Chicago. We, we and could, they, they could put him in the package with the number, with the, for that number one pick and oh, say, totally. hey, would you take Kenny? Totally. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure that uh, Eberflus would love Kenny Moore. It was a perfect scheme. Yep. For Kenny, it like, was. That just makes too much sense sure to, to send Kenny Moore up there because he was he was fine this year, but he was not electric like he was in the previous scheme. Like it, it is, it makes too much sense. And I love Kenny. I wish so that I. we could talk to Kenny every week. I wish that he could stay here. But you, you can see his succeed. frustration as the season went on completely. And, and I'm right in his corner there. Like I, I want, I, I, I'm, I'm a biggest enough fan of Kenny Moore that I want to see enough his success. And I think he would have more success in Chicago than you would have here in Indianapolis. It makes too much sense to include yep. him in that trade. That, of course, is not going to happen because the Houston Texans have more ammunition to move up there anyway. But maybe Kenny could be the swing piece, the deciding factor. 
Probably but, but, if you, but if you trade the one, then you're going to trade the two with Chicago. So Chicago's yeah, still, in the mix. still in the still in the mix to trade with Chicago. Good point. Good point, chap. And then Chicago ends up with like ten first round picks, and uh, and, Kenny Moore. And, Kenny Moore. and Kenny Moore to to, to lead them all. <laughs> the player to be named later will name today. Exactly. I have a yeah, feeling exactly. there's going to be several Colts defenders end up in Chicago. That would not be surprising Bobby to O'Karake? me. If that's the case. If that's the case. Maybe Buckner's in that Maybe trade Buckner package. That. Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, that'd be a tough one to, to let go of him. But, but I, I hear you. That'd be a tough one to let go. Uh, but anyway, uh, all, all these things to discuss over the coming weeks. We'll, we'll continue our kind of uh, train through the Colts uh, roster with different positions. Uh, we've talked a couple of important ones already. We'll get into some more uh, over the coming weeks. But we do appreciate you listening. Uh, for Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, this has been the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I'm Dave Griffiths, and we'll see you next week.